0: We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not. For generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McEachern, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Four gay men, four addictions, one landlord from hell. Welcome to Summerdale, a horror novel trilogy set in Chicago's Andersonville. I am excited to have back David J. Collins to talk about Summerdale 2, the latest release of the trilogy, which is available now. Summerdale 2 gripped me from the opening paragraph, and I was completely in for the whole journey. David is one of my favorite people to talk to, as he has a great way of expressing the origins of his creative output. He's also just an all around nice guy. I am pleased to share my conversation with author David J. Collins. For people that may not be familiar with the whole idea of Somerdale, I'm going to give a a summary. You had this vision of three books, trilogy. Each book has a limited amount of chapters, and each chapter is dedicated to one character who lives in this house at Somerdale and Wayne in... Andersonville neighborhood of Chicago, where I live. When we first met, you had just written the first book. Yes, and now we have Summerdale too.
1: Yes. So the the idea was, uh, I think that would that would have been October of 2018. You know, I envisioned October 2019. This should have been done a year ago. It didn't happen. So I'm. Uh, how I leave it in, in book two is, uh, Summerdale three coming soon. I, I'm not going to commit to a date because I, I want to sit with this for a minute. I want to, and I think a lot of artists do this too, is you, you've spent so much time with the characters. They're near and dear to your heart because you spend so much time with them, but you also have to let them out in the world and you have to let people read and absorb and then respond. And the reactions are very telling. I, I certainly found this in Gay Bash, the first novel that I wrote in 2014. But what people think of it, they pick out different scenes or different things that hit the reader in, in a way that makes sense to them, that's special to them. And it's been surprising to me in, in both of the novels, something that I thought was just kind of a a point that was... You know, not, not the whole reason why you have a scene or the central, the crux of this dialogue. Um, but they'll hone in on something that means something to them. And they'll tell me that it, it it's meaningful to them when I, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little, so it wasn't, it wasn't this dialogue or this line or you, you know, no, what I, what I loved was this instead. And that's just a reminder that I have to let the characters and the story live on their own
0: yeah I think you know it's funny. I was just editing another podcast, and one of the guests was talking about it was a musician, and mm. he was talking about how once the song is written, it's released, and it's no longer there as it now right. belongs to the world yes, and this also brings up the idea of you as an artist you in you see your work differently when you're seeing it through other people's eyes. Yes. And I know that I see this in paintings. I will do a painting and I will have an intention. I have what I think it's about. And then when I show it in a show and people start talking to me about it and they're seeing something completely different and it transforms the way that I see it, which is... Very interesting, and it sounds similar to what you're saying.
1: Very similar. It's it's similar, and I think that's part of the surprise. You know, I'm I'm drawn back to one of my favorite quotes about writing. It's from Robert Frost: "No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader." And for me, a lot of the surprises come from what people have picked up on, what they've, they've said. And I, I've was just back at finally, we're back. We're having festivals again. And I was at the Lakeview East Festival of the Arts, one of my favorites. So I had a tent and, you know, an author table. Um, and it's always great to, to see people come back and say, Oh, I bought this at Midsummer Fest last year. I bought this at Market Days last year. And then they'll tell me what it means to me, uh, or what it means to them. Um, and it's, it's always interesting. Like, what's that? That piece that spoke to the most. And it's almost never what I, what I intended. Like what you said, like you, you have a painting and you have this intention with the painting and you think it's going to be seen this way, but it's actually seen a different way, which is no less meaningful, but it's different. And that actually in- inspires me to continue working. Uh, my job as an author for the rest of my life is to get people to the cover of the book, whether that's a paperback, whether that's an ebook or Audible. Um, once they open the, um, you know, the cover. Once they open to the first page or open to scroll, the story, as your musician said, it no longer belongs to me. It now belongs to the reader, and they will take it places I couldn't have imagined. And that's what's so exciting about writing.
0: One of the things that I've always found unique about talking to you, because obviously I talk to a lot of creative people. The way that you speak about how your characters come to you and how they just show up, I don't really hear that because I don't really hear that from other creative people in a way that you express it. Is that something that the way your brain does that, has that been something that happened throughout your life, but in other ways. Tell me about that process of things just showing up like that. Yeah.
1: So let's go back to childhood. Yes. Um, I grew up in a home that valued creativity. So my parents, um, you know, I'm an only child and my parents, I think like a lot of parents just do the best they can and let the talents and the interests of each child show you know, through school, through friendships, through play, through all this. And and mine obviously was going to be in building things, creating things. So if I could build with it, I had it. So meaning physically building physically, things.
0: exactly. And you grew up in an urban area or uh, west a- suburbs of Chicago. Oh, of Chicago. Okay. Yeah.
1: There was nothing off limits. If I wanted to you know, take construction paper and build houses out of it. If I wanted to um, use Tinker Toy Erector Set to build, you know, my little theme park, that was all okay. There was there was never, no, you can't do that. Um, so in that encouragement, over the years, it wasn't just building houses. It wasn't just building a theme park or, you know, as I got older, actual cities with buildings, you know, seven, eight feet tall, I was creating stories. It wasn't just the physical layout of what the houses looked like, it's who lived inside them. And that's when I started creating stories for myself. And that's when the creativity really came in. Um, and I could only take up so much space. Eventually, you know, mom's like, I, you know, we're having people over. We really need the living room back. So I would clean all of that up. And I still wanted to be creative. And that made it a much smaller space. And that's when I started writing stories. And because I was an only child, I was frequently more with adults than with kids my own age and their conversations were always so much more interesting by listening that's where I learned dialogue um, it was it became obvious to me from a younger age you're not from Chicago I can tell because of how you talk or the words that you use that was fascinating to me as a child. It was a calm existence, a very loving warm home. Um, That was provided for me. I knew my parents loved me. They wanted me. They were interested in me. You know, looking back, I've, I've always said the best thing about being an only child is that you have your parents undivided attention. Yeah. The worst thing about being an only child is that you have your parents undivided attention. So, um, a lot of it, you know, if you had a if you came home with a bad grade, you need a report card something I mean there is no no distractions at all. It is all right. it is, you know, two parents looking at you at the dinner table explaining, you know, why you're not doing well. Right. Um
0: are your parents still alive? They are. Oh, they must be so proud of you.
1: They are. We're we're tremendously close. I I'm just I'm I'm so I'm so lucky. In fact, part of the reason why I chose to go indie For Gay Bash in 2014 was by continuing to try to, you know, get an agent, um, get an editor, I was just getting rejected over and over all artists get rejected, but I felt like if I kept trying to do this, the traditional way, the nice way, keep sending out my proposals. It would just never happen for me, and that's when I decided to go indie, mostly because I wanted to show my parents what I could do. I wanted to make this real instead of just dreams. Dreams are very important, but I wanted to make a reality, and that reality is having physical books, being at summer festivals, having readings. They've attended festivals. They've come to readings, um, and I I love that they've been able to see the result of all of the the love and encouragement that they gave me not knowing what's going to happen with it. They just kind of went with it.
0: Yeah. When we did our first interview, it was really about you being courageous and brave and taking a risk and just doing it and making it happen. It's happened. like It's here. Yeah. Do you feel that you have broke through a wall permanently or do you feel – because that's really not the conversation anymore. Right. We don't have to have that conversation. Right. Now the conversation is growth right. and you have this foundation of this creative platform. Right. You've already done that. Yeah. It, you know, it's exciting going
1: into – I can say, you know, I've written – this is now my third novel. I have a backlist. Um, the, the challenge really is just getting a higher visibility. This is such a challenge for all creators um because there's the space is only getting more and more crowded um and you can only put so much of your little you know we live in we live in the city it's not it's this is not a cheap place to live so most of our uh, you know anything that's kind of left over at the end of the month i i want to roll into um you know new paperbacks maybe and you know maybe an ad on facebook bringing higher levels of visibility to what i've already done and like what's the next challenge i can take on
0: Yeah, I think what I'm trying to figure out is do you feel that you have broken through into a new place – and all of that stuff is behind you, like that proving that you can do it. Mm. Do you feel like that's behind? Do you feel like no. I can do it? No. So you still feel there's part of that?
1: I do mostly, and and part of this is listening to the reaction of of readers when when I sent out the the book, and I I, I had wonderful pre-readers. Um, you know, I said two two things, two things only. Tell me, you don't have to. I I don't want to know about commas, about misspelled words. I have a very talented. Um, Copy editor, proofreader, Wendy Goodlow, who's going to handle all, and she has; she's done a fabulous job with it. Does this book exceed the first book, and do you want more? Those are the only two questions I had for my pre-readers. Everyone came back and said yes, yes, and that, like that, gave me the confidence to say okay. I can, I can feel good. My instincts were, were right on this. It's moving forward. The action is moving. The characters are changing. It's interesting to the reader, not just to me, but I'm, I need that assurance from other people who are reading it as well. And I want to keep doing better. So in a sense, I, I think that feeling like I'm never quite there is good for creativity. I never want to come into this so confident, oh, this is absolutely perfect the way it is. It doesn't need to be. I I hope I never feel that way about anything that I produce,
0: artwork or writing. Let's talk about the addiction aspect to the novel. That's a big part of the Mm -hmm. novel. Um, I don't think we really talked about that in our first conversation. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you can share with me about why that is something that you wanted to make the focus of your book.
1: Yeah. You know, these are, these are observations, not only observations, but also, uh, you know, somebody is, is very autobiographical, fictional, but it's very autobiographical. Um, so when I talk about addictions, I'm not just talking, you know, from a safe distance. I'm talking bringing in conversations, bringing in, you know, situations I've been through. Um, you know, I have had problems with alcohol where I've had to just literally step, step away, um, step away from, from groups of friends, because that's the focus. Um, it's not having, you know, this i this was a line in the first book. It's not having friends in common, it's having alcohol in common. and that was the basis of the friendship. so um it's it's stepping back, you know, from that, also um relationships that I've
0: lost because of because of addiction. Um, and just to call out people that haven't read the books, when we talk about addiction, it isn't just, um, alcohol, right. like its addiction, takes many forms. It does, a, as people will see in reading the book. Yeah, um,
1: and you know, it's it's also um, it hits other. You know, so obviously alcohol. So the character of Aaron um, is probably the the most direct accessible because he that chapter focuses on alcoholism um, and the enabling that landlord Mister McGreevy continues doing for. Um, for that character, not only to um, enable and weaken Aaron's will, but to bring in more people. And um, that was kind of me calling back to the, you know, g- groups that I've been a, a part of that I've had to step away from um, because I felt that it was becoming a little self destructive for me. The character Eric, um, who is an amateur bodybuilder, that really. To me, touches on appearance, um, which is a huge—I'll um, just say issue. I think it is an issue in the gay community. Is the value that's put on how you look, whether that's representing on Instagram, Facebook. You know, when I was um, when I was powerlifting and and putting up pics of my working out, those would get hundreds and hundreds of likes. When I put something that was a quote from something I was writing or a piece of art that might get a dozen likes. So the reward, the trigger there is I get more attention. I get more reward when I show myself physically. And I had to take a step back from that as well. Eric dives into substance abuse, uh, namely steroids, to the point where he's taking something he, he, He's just because it's it's giving him success. it's giving him attention. So there's uh, definitely analogies there. With Steve, it's uh, an addiction to food and abundance. So i'm you know, I'm saying something about the overabundance you can look at that as kind of being an analogy to to privilege itself what i'm seeing more recently is people standing up prominent people standing up and saying you know for mental health reasons i'm stepping back i'm stepping away i'm choosing not to do this competition i am being open about the fact that i have seek i have sought counseling um to take away the stigma of of all of that um at the same time what i have seen and what i have heard you know from friends is is um that what was the first what were some of the first reactions when we were in lockdown um going for food going for alcohol um you know with these kind of comforts around us but at the same time these didn't come out of nowhere
0: i'm really starting to think that what we think of as mental like ailments, Mm. is just being a human. Yeah. Like I think that anxiety and depression and even to some aspect addictive behaviors, whatever that may be, is just part of being a human. Right. I I don't – and I think that especially depression and anxiety, like I really think that that is – I think that's normal for people to go through that. Now, obviously, there are extremes where people are incapacitated. But I think that feeling that, um, you know, anxiety and depression pretty strongly is, I think most people, I would think, would experience that.
1: I can't imagine not experiencing it, whether it's, um, you know, like... before the book was really I mean there's definitely feeling heightened feelings of anxiety like what are people are people gonna like it it's um but I think you know just day to day there there can be feelings I, I do believe um the the weather can be a little much over winter I definitely get a, a a lull. I think a lot of us here in the midwest do as winter drags on you just don't see the sun it's cold it's da- you know um versus being in warmer sunnier environments where you're just you, you're just simply happier so the, I think the Weather plays a part of that. I've also gone as far as to um, make some changes to diet and working out, and working there's out a lot is of so things important. It really is, and um, it that's just a, a thing you, that's just something you can you can give to yourself. Everything from meal prepping. Um, Eric's orange meal prep bag is actually mine, and that's oh, something I wanted to write in okay. to the story um, because I have you know the the idea of always knowing where your next meal is coming from because temptation especially in this city temptation is everywhere there is so much good food here and you know it's not just over the holidays um but year round so if, if you're not kind of the old the old advice never go grocery shopping when you're hungry um uh, because you will come home with bags full of Things you shouldn't be eating. You know, oh, always know where your next meal is going to come from, and that's a gift that you can you can give yourself. Recently, you know, I have a full time job. I will someday, hopefully, be a full time writer and have the the income to sustain that. Um, in the meantime, like a lot of creatives, and I'm very lucky. I have a job that I love and a great team that I work with. Um, but when it's when it's crunch time and I'm you know leaving the apartment at six in the morning to catch the first express train um i will be cooking chicken at 10:30 at night or at 4 in the morning so i have steady um food and i don't like myself at that time but i know it's going to pay off for me the next day yeah working out is the same way just make make time for it and um i've been back pretty pretty steadily for several weeks and i can absolutely feel the difference um it's just another gift that you can give to yourself
0: my two cents on this yes. is eating well you know exercising and meditating yeah. and all of those things you can schedule yes. you can when you plan your week yep. on sunday night yeah. you can plan you could block out your calendar for yeah. all of those things so that, you know, you're not going to hit it a hundred percent, but if you block it out on your calendar, the chances of you hitting the target are are higher.
1: Much higher. And that's just, you know, that's part of the mindset. Um, and I, I think we actually did talk about this in the first, um, you know, in our first Um, interview is uh, to be an indie author today. You, you have to, um, you have to set aside that time for creativity. You have to be consistent with your writing. Also, indie artists, I won't just say authors, but indie artists today, um, have to be adept at the creative and the commercial. You can't just create stuff. You have to open it up to the world. So part of that is through newsletters, social media, events, readings. Podcasts, marketing, all of this is, uh, you're kind of the CEO of, of all of this. So to plan your week focusing on your health and your mental. Wellness, first and foremost, then it's like once you've got those rocks, that's the foundation set up, then the smaller kind of the rock to the pebbles, then the pebbles can get can get filled in, and that's where the creativity comes from. I also find um, when I am being good to myself, the dialogue comes quicker. I have more energy i'm hearing I'm hearing more clearly when I'm not in the muffle of of alcohol um, sugar, you know, all these things that kind of are de- depression, depressing awareness and clarity. I just, ri- I feel like I write better. I hear better. I can hear the characters better. And that's simply, uh, and you get better rest out of the whole thing. Yeah.
0: I, I think of it as, and I'm, I am relating this to painting. You know, I think of myself when I'm painting as like an athlete. Like Absolutely. I have to make sure that I am getting enough sleep, that yeah. I am not hung over, mm-hmm. that I'm hydrated, right. that I'm not hungry, right. like I am f- as fit as possible, exercising, yeah. like the better you are in all of that, um, I think the, for me at least, yeah. I think other people could be different, but I definitely, uh, the less distractions I have, the better my mind is, yeah. That the, uh, the better place my mind is, the creative stuff can come. Completely. And,
1: you know, I'm, I'm, I turned, you know, you've got this, this milestone year. I just turned 50. And potentially my, I'm only at the half point of my life. Who knows where we're going with, you know, with medicine, with, um, with, you know, better look. I might only be halfway there. It's, it's not like, oh, retirement's around the corner. Um, because the, I want the creative stuff to keep coming. So if I'm not taking the gift of this body and this mind seriously now, and certainly I didn't always take it so seriously with my twenties, thirties and four, and you know, um, now is the time to do it. So if I'm not building these good habits now, um, I'm really not, preparing myself for the creativity that I have yet to receive and I live in kind of a mindset of abundance that more is coming I'm I'm grateful for where I've been and the characters who have come um you know into my awareness but I also believe more is on the way and I need to be aware and prepared for that in your artwork you see the benefits in how you feel and how you relate to the canvas and what then the the subjects and uh, your your productivity. You are a prolific artist. You are always posting about. I have this show. These are my. I mean, you're 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 producing work with no um, outside boss telling you. You will do these. You know, you're the one telling yourself. So you have to be in the right mindset creatively to be able to do that.
0: Summerdale 2 is available now everywhere. Where? What does everywhere mean? So right now, um, it means online. So look for it in all the major
1: online retailers. There will be a paperback um, in the spring. And I'm looking forward to uh, the major festivals in, in summer, which would be Andersonville, Midsummerfest, um, North Hollisdead Market Days and Lakeview East uh, Festival of the Arts in September. I like having the books there, and what i found is it's the the convenience, the immediacy of the ebook. Even you know, Gay Bash is on Audible, so that's immediate, but it's not um, it's not personal. I can't sell an ebook to you. At a festival, yeah, I can definitely sign and dedicate a book to you at a festival, and that's a much warmer experience, right? And another thing I did want to um to to mention is summer. So Summerdale ends. There's it's four chapters, and it kind of ends on a little cliffhanger at the end of each chapter. Summerdale two opens exactly the next line of from the first book. There is no time changed, even though I think three three years have gone by um, to the characters. And Mr. McGreevy, um, no time has, has passed at all between the cliffhanger and where the book opens in the next chapter. And it
0: grabbed me it is immediately. I was I was in, and it really? had been a while since I yeah. read Summerdale 1. Well, David J. Collins, thank you so much thank for you, hanging out with me.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you, Andy.
0: My name is Ricky McEachran, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.